Well, hello. Thank you for coming and being a part of Village Heights this morning. We are in week two of our collection, Hyssop. And you're like, what is Hyssop? Hyssop is a plant. You can actually go to your local you know, garden center or whatever it is, plant uh, names uh, that you say, yeah, sanctuaries, all that, um, baby carriage plants, wh- whatever. You go to those places, you can find hyssop, right? And it's just a pretty plant that people, and it's actually uh, pretty invasive. It grows quick. Uh, but the cool thing is throughout scripture and history, you find hyssop. Hyssop has a lot of uh, properties to it that like you can use it for many different things. So like um, maybe medicinal, like to help healing in the body. Um, there's things for that. Um, actually, one of the cool things is cleaning. Like so in scripture, they would use it for cleaning purposes, right? Um, so there, in my prayer life, and I don't remember when this happened, it's been a decade or so, I was reading through um, like a, you know, I do read the Bible. Y'all might not believe me, but I do. I read it. Um, and through Psalm, there was a Psalm that was uh, written by David. And, and it was at a time in David's life when he did something that was just so bad, so sinful, that he knew that just a prayer to stop is not enough. He needs a soul cleansing, right? Uh, and so this is what he said in Psalm 51, 7. He says, cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. So if we translated that to our times now, he would be basically saying, Lord, bleach my soul. Bleach it, right? It's dirty uh, because of what happened, right? Bleach it and make me clean again. And again, this was right after David. He had an affair with Bathsheba, and uh, the joke is that he royally messed up. Get it? Because he's a king. He royally messed up. There you go. He royally messed up. And the thing about sin is some sins, they, although on the outside, because there's some sins that you could do and it rarely affects the body. You just stop doing whatever it is and the body is okay because you stop. But there is a soul part of it, right? Now, it's not just that your body was affected, but your soul has been affected by it. And so however you look at it, our soul needs attention. Sometimes we say, okay, I stopped whatever it is, but we haven't addressed the soul part, the soul, the separation from God, the things that might, you splatter a little mud on it, right? And now it needs to be clean. And so at Village Heights, and I believe that we are not a body with the soul, we are a soul with a body, that the true part of us is the soul that was given to us. And the body is just a vessel. So we take care of the vessel. We try not to sin with it, right? And if we are, we, clean, like we, we stop and we cleanse the body, but sometimes we can be distracted in cleansing the soul. And what are the problems, what this creates is that if you became a Christ follower, like if you're a new Christ follower, you say, all right, I'm going to jump out. I'm going to do this. I've heard about this Jesus guy. He sounds, he sounds great. Let's start a relationship. And then you start hitting these walls, these roadblocks, and you're like, why can I not grow further in my relationship? What is holding me back that's keep making me feel distant? You're not paying attention to your soul. You might have physically, right? You can get baptized. You physically show what's happened on the inside, but you still haven't cleansed your soul. There are some things that have happened, and your soul needs attention. It's wise to cleanse the body, but your soul also needs cleansing. So last week when we kicked this off, we talked about the restless soul. It's somebody that always feels like they have to be doing something, right? It's never enough. They have to always be uh, meeting some kind of standard, right? Or they feel like they're not succeeding. 
But what about when you feel like you can't move? What if you feel like there's something heavy on you? You're smiling on the inside, but you're heavy on, I mean, you're smiling on the outside, but you're heavy on the inside. There's nothing horribly wrong, but you know that there's something not right. You can't quite put your finger on it. And sometimes if it's heavy enough, it's paralyzing. Like, I don't even know how to move forward, much less in life, but also spiritually. How do I move forward, God, in this relationship? I feel like there's this roadblock. It's because things are pulling on your soul. There was things that you did or somebody did to you that put, like, ties on your soul, and it's pulling it down. And you feel like, I, don't even, I can't move forward. And a representation of this in scriptures in Psalm 42.5, it says, why? And he's talking to his soul. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He's saying, what's on the outside is not matching what's on the inside. Around me, things are working, and there's opportunities to move forward. But for some reason, I'm downcast. Your soul needs cleaning. All right, so why do our souls feel heavy? Like if you're a note taker, this is the time to start taking notes. Why do our souls feel heavy? Because sometimes it's hard to pinpoint what it is. Okay, so the first one is our souls are, are heavy with hurts from the past. They're heavy with hurts from the past. Uh, Lamentations uh, 319, we're going to jump there. We're going to read through Lamentations a few times because, um, you know, that's where we lament, right? I, there's an argument there. That's where lament came in Lamentations. Okay, if you, if you need, if you're like a heavy and I need someone to feel me on my heaviness, go to Lamentations, read it. All right, Lamentations 319 through 20, it says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast with me. Sometimes we lose the job. We lost a job, right? And it's like something got attached to our soul and kind of pulls it down a little bit, right? Some of us, a friend hurt you. They weren't a great friend. You put your trust in them. You were vulnerable with them, and they abused that trust. And now you've been hurt. It's a passage dragging down. God let you down. You didn't, you prayed for something. There was an opportunity, and God didn't come through the way that you thought he could or should come through with it. And you feel pulled down, downcast from that. Some of you, it's a bad financial decision. You made a choice. You bought the thing, even though you're like, oh, can I handle this, right? And you did anyways. And now you're going not just a literal burden, but now your soul. You feel downcast from it. A missed opportunity. You ever hesitate? You see this, this chance of something, and you're like, but is it, can I do it? Like you hesitate, and then someone else takes the opportunity. And then you're left wondering, what if? What if I would have done it? You carry that around. That hurts. Some of you, you have church hurt. I think we could all probably raise our hand and admit that the church has hurt us in some way. You put your faith in leadership. You put your faith in, in, in a group of people that are supposed to be there for you, not just on a physical level, but on a spiritual level, and then they do something that it's even far beyond just human mess up, but like it's like almost what it feels like is intentional. Why would they do that? then you're hurt. And some of you are coming to Village Heights. You've been coming to Village Heights for a while, and you have a hard time moving forward in your relationship with God and building and being a part of this family because you're still being dragged down by a hurt that you experienced from another church. That's very possible. You're still being affected by it, and you can't move forward. It's because your soul is heavy from that past 
hurt. And it's making you uh, um, gun-shy or, or it's making you weary of being able to move forward because you don't want to be hurt again. It's hard for you. So that's, that's one. You're heavy, you're heavy with hurts from the past. The second way is you're heavy with trouble in the present. You're heavy with trouble in the present. Job 4.5, if anybody knows trouble in the present, it is Job. Uh, Job 4.5 says, but now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. I mean, this is the one that we've experienced in real time. Something happened, something came out of the blue. Life didn't turn out the way that you thought it should, right? You, the marriage is not as, as what you thought it was going to be, or you watch too much HDTV, right? And, and, you, and you saw that, you know, the husband carved pencils for a living, and the wife licked flowers or kissed flowers for a living, and they have a million-dollar budget. Why don't I have that, right? And so it didn't pan out to what you thought life would be because TV made it look like it, it just happens for everybody, Life didn't pan out, and, you're, and so you're down. It's pulling you down. You're, you're with the trouble in the present, right? Some of you, your marriage is stuck. There's something there, and you don't know what it is. You don't know how to get past it. You're stuck. You want to go to the next level. Uh, some, it's a job. You've got a terrible boss, <laughs> Or this coworker that just won't, oh, you know, they just won't get it, right? I don't want to talk right now. You know, that kind of thing. You got that. They keep throwing their problems all over you, whatever it may be. Or the job is just hard, right? You're troubled with the present. And so it's heavy on your soul. And like we said before, financially, every time you go to the store, you see that the price of eggs keeps going up. And at some point, Nobody gets to have eggs, right? And we carry chickens around on thrones because we worship them now because they're so valuable, you know, all these, all these things. And you're like, how do I? If, if every time I go to the store and prices keep rising, how am I going to financially handle this? Your boss isn't coming to you and goes, hey, I've seen the prices been rising. You need a raise. You know, that's not going to happen. The chances are slim to none. I wish. If that does happen to you, let me know. I'm going to go work there. Uh, so that's where we are, heavy with trouble in the present. And some of us, you're heavy with anxiety about the future. And sometimes we feel guilty about that. But you're human. It happens, right? In Mark 14, through 34, which is talking about Jesus, he says, He took Peter, James, John along with him, and he began to deeply be deeply distressed and troubled. This is Jesus speaking, Jesus' words. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. So he went off and to have some time with God, with his father, right? And he says, man, I'm just uneasy right now. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. He was fully God and fully human. So he experienced the human, human nature, right, that we feel when we get anxious. So even Jesus felt this anxiousness, right, to the point where he says, I don't know what's going to happen, but just stand guard, right? Just watch. He comes back and he's upset with them because they've all fallen asleep. And he's like, I can't trust you for one minute. You know, to stay awake and, you know, keep protecting. Anyways, that's a whole other conversation. But Jesus felt the human side that he didn't necessarily want to be executed. <laughs> I think we can all could share in that. You know, I don't, I don't want to be executed, right? I'd rather just die by old age, right? That's kind of how, how I would feel. But he felt that. 
In the same way, we have fear of losing a job. I mean, we just went through this weird pandemic, and a lot of us lost our job, not even to your own fault, right? It just happened. That's a, that's a fear. You're afraid you can't get it all done. Sometimes we have a lot of responsibility, especially you have a job that a lot of people are depending on you. And you're like, I don't have time in the day. How am I going to do it? They're, they're waiting on me, right? And so you're anxious, you're anxious about it. You're anxious about the future. If I don't do this, then we can't succeed and move forward. Anxious, anxious, anxious. Some of us, the debt is growing. Again, things are getting more expensive, but your paycheck isn't going up with it. How am I going to handle this? To maintain this lifestyle, we're going to go into debt now. now. I mean, don't even get me started on the housing market. It's insane right now. It's just what is going on? And so you, you get scared. You're anxious about the future, worrying about how are we going to be able to handle this financially? And so the future scares you. Every way you turn, the past, present, and future, something is weighing you down. And sometimes the pressure can get so, so large, so heavy that your soul feels paralyzed. I can't move forward. I'm, I'm stuck in a routine. How do I keep going? To finish off uh, the scripture, actually before that, and this is a news update for you, okay? This is hot off the presses for the last 2,000 years. You don't have to live with a heavy soul. You don't. You don't have to live with a heavy soul. And part of the problem with having a heavy soul and why we have heavy souls and this is a big, this has been popping up with me a lot. I don't know why, but God just keeps putting it on my heart to say this, is that we think we are the main character to this story. None of you, not me, not any of us, are the main character. We don't keep the world spinning. This ball that we're on, this big giant rock that is hurling through, you know, the cosmos, and we don't control any of that. So we might be able to, based on our talents and skills and our spatial awareness, get to effect around us, but we don't really control anything. And so because we can't, that means we're not the main character. There is another powerful being out there that is controlling things. It's keeping it going. It makes life happen. It's one of the beautiful things about childbirth is you get to watch life. And you, did, oh, you might have a little part to do with it, but... You didn't put the life, the soul, into that body. You're not the main character. And so because of that, this is what we find. Again, you don't have to live with a heavy soul. To continue Psalm 42.5, it says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put, he's talking to his soul, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He's telling his soul, you are not the main character, God is. So as I can remember this, right, I can hear this stuff and I know this truth, I'm telling my soul now, hey, it's not all about you. You don't have to handle all of this stuff. The things, the burdens that you are taking on, you were never meant to carry. One of the common mistakes of a minister is trying to take on the burden of converting souls. I tell people about Jesus. Jesus is the one that does the converting. I can't change people. Only God can change people because he created people. I didn't create you. God did. 
So he's the only one that can truly make the conversion happen. All I can do is come up here and try to tell some jokes and spout it off and hope that you're listening, right? That's all I can do. I enjoy doing it. I do. I don't say I like the bad thing. I love doing it. Love you people. Um, but what do we do, right? So you're like, great, Bill. Awesome argument. I shouldn't be downcast. I don't have to do this. It's not my responsibility. I'm not the main character. So what do I do next? How do I fix? How do I help this heaviness, right? Three ways, okay? The first one, you got to tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Okay, back to, let's lament some more. Back to Lamentations. Uh, I read a little bit of the scripture for it. Now I'm reading the rest of it, okay? Lamentations 3, 19 through 23. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I remembered, and so because of that, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If you have been in church at any amount of time, the chances are you have heard a song where they say, great is your faithfulness. That means regardless of your week, as you sing this song, great is your faithfulness. Even though last week was great, something happened after Sunday, and now I'm on this Sunday, and my heart's heavy. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. It never runs out. Great is your faithfulness. And that basically means if you're in a place where you're wondering if God loves you, if you have given your life to Christ, he, he saved you. He saved you. Christ saved you. All that he did. Or he answered your prayer. Something happened in your past, and he answered a prayer. You remember that. And you go, I'm going to keep hoping. I'm going to keep hoping and telling my soul to hope because I remember. It might not even be your prayer. It might be grandma's prayer. Sometimes we discount that, but grandma has been praying for you for a long time. And you're here today. There's progress. You know, <laughs> it's happening. But nobody asked grandma, if your, your answer has been pray? Yes, they have. Ask her, ask grandpa, grandma, mom, dad. They are an prayers are being answered, and you thank God for that. Or he provided for you in some way. You didn't know how it was going to happen, how this bill was going to get paid, or, or how would they actually fall in love with me, or you know, whatever it may. And God provided, right? For Village Heights, uh, it's one, a beautiful story, and I'd love to sit down and tell you, but we don't have time to give you the whole story right now. But basically, when we started, we didn't have anything. It was just, we have another kid now, so it'd be four of us, but at the time, it was just three of us. It started with three people. Village Heights started with three people. My wife, I, and our son, right? And our son, he just wasn't a lot of help. Um, but, but he was there, right? He bought a lot of energy. But in that time, God provided in some crazy way that I can't take credit for. I can't say it was me or my, my jokes or smooth talking or anything like that. God just blessed us, and it proved to me that God wanted this church to start more than we did. And he wants it to exist more than we do. Sometimes you read a verse and it strikes you differently than it struck you before. You got to remember what it said. Sometimes you, you heard a song on the radio 
uh, KSBJ or Spotify or whatever. If it's KSBJ, you'll hear it again and again and again and again and again and again and again for like 20 years. Um, and uh, even my kids notice. I put KSBJ on because you can't put all the other stuff on. And the kids, the kids will go, I think we've heard this one before. And I'm like, oh, you have. Welcome to my world. Um, sometimes there's a message that you come in here, right? You go to a church, you hear a message. It's always funny to me, and I don't mean anything negative about this, but I'll come and I'll preach, and I'm like, man, that was a dud, right? I'm just like, man, I just did not feel like I had it on today. And then somebody will come in and go, that's the greatest message you've ever preached, and I love it. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, why? Why? You know, why is that? Because the tr- it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. I get the opportunity and privilege to come up here and say a bunch of things, make you laugh, and hope that you're listening. But then God is actually the one that takes that truth, puts it in your heart, and does something with it. And it's not, it's not about me. Again, I'm not the main character. He is. I'm just here to point to the main character. Uh, there's something that we do in our house that actually Hannah does. I can't take much credit for it because she's way better at these things than I am. Um, it was actually advice that we were given as church planners because church planning is really hard, um, especially when you go to a place and you're like, we love you, community, and the community's like, mm, we're good. You know, <laughs> stay over there. You know, that's kind of how, that's how it feels. It's rejection, right? And so one of the tips that they had was like, get a jar, and we do this at our house, uh, get a jar, and every time God does something, you know it's God, write it down, put it in the jar. And then when the hard days come, you feel like God's forgotten about you, you got a little bit of rejection from the community, you're not sure if God actually, like, did I miss the calling? Did, uh, did I, did I, should I have gone somewhere else or done something different, right? You pull one out, you read it. You remind yourself of God's faithfulness and how he loves you, how he fixed the problem or, or, or whatever it may be. Sometimes we can get so focused on an issue, right? Something comes up in our life and we're like, man, what, what is that? Like, and so we have all these things, like we have a span of our life, we've got all this other stuff going on. And then we have the problem, we go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do about this thing, right? How am I, I going to fix this and, and everything? All the pressure's on this, right? And we end up in this place where we end up one of the ones that crush it and kill it. And then we think our life's over because we think this is all of our life. But God's saying, hey, no, there's way more. This might not have worked out for you, right? This, this might not have gone to plan, It might not even be your fault. Somebody else could have ruined it. But there's so much more. You can get so distracted and focused on one problem, you can miss the goodness all around you, all the things that he has done in your life. So remember God's faithfulness in the past. The next one, number two, cry out to God in the present. Cry out to God in the present. Psalm 142.2 says, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. We're so worried about telling God our problems. We're more focused on telling him how to fix our problems, how we think God should solve it, right? But no, he, doesn't, he just wants to hear the problem. Immediately tell him. You don't have to try to fix it yourself before you bring it to God. Bring it to the God of the universe immediately. Uh, continue on in Psalm 42, 5 through 6. It says, I cry out to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am des- in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Sometimes we got to reach down into the depths of our soul. The things that we've been hiding, the things that we've been like, Lord, no, just you just come to here, right? I don't you don't you don't have to go over there. 
He wants you to reach, reach down in the depths of your soul, pull it out, and just complain. Tell him your troubles. And some are like, well, there's some anger with it. And I don't want God to think I'm angry. He can handle your anger. He can handle it. He created you. He knows you. You're made in his image. He has anger as well. He can handle your anger. So let it rip. If you blasting off and yelling at God means that you're going to get over whatever that thing is to continue a connection with him, go for it. Absolutely go for it. I give you carte blanche. If you needed a pass from a pastor, here it is. Yell at God. Tell him. Complain about it. God, why did this happen? Why did you do this? He can handle it. He can. Cast your cares on him. And some of us, if it's like, I have this problem in my life, I have, I've tried to fix it, I've worked around it, I've tried to live with it, and it's still making my soul heavy. Give it to God. Give it to God. Even if you have to literally take your hands and act like you're picking it up, give it to him. He wants it. Don't go, Lord, you should do this with it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Say, Lord, I don't know what to do with it. Here. This car that's broken, I don't even know. If I go outside right now, I don't know if it's going to start. Lord, it's your car now. Replace it, fix it, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. Lord, this marriage that is, is troublesome. I, I've tried everything. I don't know what to do anymore. I feel like I'm fighting a shadow. Here it is. It's yours. Lord, this company, it's, I feel like it's going down. It's not looking good. Ever since the pandemic, I just can't get it. Give it to him. Hand it off. Whatever it is, your finances, the debt. Lord, I don't know what to do. Give it to him. He wants to take it off your hands. All right, that's number two. Number three, trust in God's power for your future. Trust in God's power for your future. This is a story about Judah. So Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said this. So like there was a army that was forming from Assyria that was forming around them, going to siege them at night. And I can imagine that would be pretty terrifying. Imagine a neighboring, you know, a neighbor, you know, circling your house, about to take it over, take your property. <laughs> it could be pretty scary. You know, what, what do you do? You batten down the hatches, right? You get in defensive positions. And this is what he tells them. In 2 Chronicle 32, 7 through 8, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. They're essentially going out to the gates to protect it and could lose their life and could lose their whole city, everything, their livelihood. He's saying, hey, don't worry. They just have flesh. We got the God of the universe. Let, let me put this into perspective for you. As humans, we have only tracked 3%. It's the last I checked, 3% of the universe. And you're like, man, we have so much of the knowing of the universe. We only have only 3%. That means there is another 97% we have not seen or don't know what to do with, okay? God created it. And, oh, by the way, it's growing. It's getting bigger. God is bigger than that. He created all of it. He's bigger than that. So if the God of the universe, who is bigger than the universe, could handle all of that, your problem is nothing. 
What you are facing is nothing to him. He is happy to get involved. So in that, you are not alone. You never were, and you never will be. Past, present, and future. He will be with you. The God of the universe is ready to fight with you and for you. Talk about a power to give you confidence. And not just that he's distant. You don't have to perform a specific ritual or talk to a shaman or go to a, you know, a, a special place behind a curtain. You don't have to do any of that. He came and paid an ultimate price so that you could talk to him anytime. At any moment, you could say, Jesus, I need you. And he's there. He's already been there. He's waiting just for you to say it. He's always been there. There's no obstacle, people, and believe it or not, no political party or natural disaster that could pull God away from you. And none of that is more powerful than him. So regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances, he will always be, and this is the why that we call him this, the Alpha and the Omega, meaning that there is nothing that is bigger or stronger than him. So why not just happenstance, right? You're facing a problem. You're worried about the future. Enact the God of the universe. Instead of you torturing yourself, worrying and anxiety and going, oh, what am I going to do? Say, Lord, this is yours. You created me. You know the best way for me. I give it to you. Enact the God of the universe. So remind your soul through this whole process that greater is he who is in in me than he who's in the world. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, who did the impossible that no human could ever do, that we got to witness, lives in you right here. God is for me, so who can be against me? So after talking about all of that, soul, why are you downcast? Soul, put your hope in God. And I could just tell you that, the band can, can come back up. I could just tell you that, right? And then you'll get out of here and you'll go, oh, that was so great, you know, wonderful. I, I feel a little bit of pressure off, you know, that kind of. The only way, I believe, you know, in my practice, in my life, the only way to truly cleanse the soul, to take that heaviness off your soul, if your soul is heavy, is spend time in the presence of God. Your soul is in a realm you don't control. Your soul is in a realm that only God can control. And he is the only one who can truly see the dirt, the specks, the, the, the ties, the, the ropes that are around your soul pulling you down, the weight that is sitting on top of it. And he's the only one who knows how to go in and pick it up. But you have to ask. He's not going to force himself. He loves you. And just like with a parent to a kid, he wants to help. He wants to be there for you. It's rewarding as an adult to help kids. You don't have to be a parent. If a kid is like, man, I wish I could grab that or touch that, you pick them up and you get them there. Jesus wants to do the same thing for you. God wants to pick you up. I'll get you there. But you got to let me. There's some things holding you down. You got to let me clean it up. You got to let me take it off. You got to let me help you forgive them. You got to let me help you stop letting money control you. 
A lot of us will, will say, God, you can have my family, my house, my car, but my bank account, I got that. I got my finances. Don't worry about it. You don't let them have any control over that. And then you get to a point where like, God, help. He's like, I wish I could have been helping you from the day one. He wants to help us. He wants to lift that off your soul. Be faithful in your past. Be, remember that the faithfulness in the past, the good in the present, and then he's going to be with you in the future. So right now, we're going to practice that, okay? They're going to start singing. They're going to be singing the last song that they were singing. And to help make this happen, and the best way to do this, just like we talked about, is if you know what's burdening you, as they start singing, I want you to give it to God. Say, Lord, this has been heavy on me. It's yours. And then, and then stop that and then just thank him. Thank him for the things that he's done in your past. Thanks, thank him for the things he's doing in your present. And thank him for the future that he's going to give you. Just thank him. You do this every day, that weight will lift off as you begin to understand I'm not the main character. There's a God who loves me, who wants to support me, who wants to bring me closer to him, who's designed me to do great things, live for purpose. And I'm going to live in that with his help. Because if he's for me, then who can be against me? So we're going to do that right now. setting a timer for five minutes and try to think about nothing. Remind yourself that you're not the main character. God's in control and put your trust fully in him so much that you will think about nothing for five minutes because it's not going to change anything because he's the one in control. So for, for us today, if you have a heavy soul, I want you to do that this week. Every day, preferably in the morning, to start your day out with it. The thing that you woke up heavy with that was burdening you, that was pulling your soul down. Give it to him. Set a timer for five minutes and then throw the phone right out of your reach. And then in five minutes, just sit there and just thank him for everything that you can think of that he's done in your past, present, and future. He's going to do in your future. All of these things. 
I guarantee you it will change so much. It'll change the way you treat people. It changed the atmosphere of your house, your job, your car ride, all of it. It will change things. Try it out. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us so much. That you just didn't say, this is how you do it. But Lord, you came and you suffered with this. You, you dealt with the anxiety of the future and the pressures of the present. Lord, you felt that burden. And Lord, you showed us the bridge that we don't have to suffer anymore. We don't have to carry this heavy soul anymore. That you and you alone are the one who can come and take that pressure off. So right now, I pray that you give all of us the courage. Anybody that's listening to this message right now or online, whatever it may be, give us the courage to hand our burdens over, the things that are weighing heavy on our soul. And Lord, I pray that we, you know, not just become, you know, beneficial to us, Lord, but that we begin to glow because of it, that our soul begins to become lightened. And not just lightened as in, as in weight, but is illuminating. That when others see us and they see the circumstances that we're walking through and they see the joy that is inside of us and they go, how do you how are we not weigh down? We get to share about you. We benefit and then they benefit. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will have that opportunity to see the power and miracle of what you, can, what you did on the cross for us. So Lord, cleanse us. Cleanse our souls with hyssop. Bleach us white, white as snow, so that the heaviness, the paralyzing feeling lifts away. We get to live fully in your name. And Lord, I pray that for us individually, I pray that over us in Village Heights as a body of Christ, that your will be done through us as you continue to cleanse us. Thank you for all that you do. Bless us as we go. In Jesus' name.